Let's pray, shall we, as we come to God's word. Loving Lord, thank you that you speak to us. Thank you that you are good. You are our salvation. We can trust you in the ups and the downs of life. Thank you that you are faithful. And please be with us now as we think about believing your promises. Please would you, by your spirit, teach our hearts, encourage our souls. Give us a sight of you and your son and help us to keep living for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the, the topic I've been asked to, to speak on is, is believing God's promises. I say trusting God's promises. And just as we, as we begin, I wonder if there are a, a particular promises of God that maybe you're finding it hard to believe at the moment. Not necessarily you would sort of write it down on a piece of paper, I do not believe that. But in, in life, sort of living as if God is going to keep that promise. Sometimes, do you know the feeling we, we think, yeah, I could, I could kind of tick all the, all the boxes about what I believe, but in reality, do I act as if? God's promise, I don't know, that he will never leave us, or God's promise that our sins are completely washed away, or whatever promise it is, sometimes we don't actually live as if these promises are true. I wonder if there are particular promises, maybe, that you find it hard to, uh, a phrase my American friends use, live in the good of. Do you live in the good of the promises? Do you really live as if these are true? I, I certainly have times where I functionally... It's hard to believe God's promises. Maybe circumstances are such that we just perhaps start to live as if maybe God hadn't said that thing. And as we begin, I thought it might be good to... Um, it's going to be a little bit interactive this morning, middle of the week. It was about a million degrees in here last night. So I kind of thought we're going to have a bit of interaction just to keep everyone awake. Um, let's maybe just for 30 seconds just have a think i'm going to ask adults and and younger ones here what are some of the promises of god to his people because we have a promise making and a promise keeping god so as we begin thinking let's let's just remember some of god's promises to his people just just think for a second and then we'll we'll, we'll shout a few of these out let's go back half of the room they're, they're, they're the ones who are hoping just to quietly snooze i can see you my oliver Quietly snooze at the back. Yes. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you, never leave you nor forsake you. Wonderful. Good. Other promises of God. Yeah. He will never flood the world. He'll, very good. Well done. He'll never flood the world again. Thank you. Others. He will come back and take us to be with him. He will come back and take us to be with him. Good. Other promises. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in no, Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Good. He'll complete the work he began in us. He'll complete the work he began in us. He removed our sins for, as far as the east is from the west. He removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Good. Others? Double that last one. <laughs> I'll build my church. So, so many promises. And the question is, how do we keep believing these promises when the world around us, circumstances... Sometimes our ministry seems to contradict some of these promises. It feels like certainly the world around there, and sometimes even our churches feel like they're telling a different story at times. Sometimes, I mean, don't get me wrong, there are, there are great blessings and, and encouragement, but sometimes it feels like if I just look at what I can see, 
That is telling me a different story. How do we keep believing the promises of God? That is basically what the book of Isaiah is about. That, that is Isaiah in a nutshell. Circumstances say one thing, and God's people are left with a question, who are you going to trust? Will you trust God, or will you turn to other helps, other things to look to for support? In their case, making alliances with other nations to protect them. But essentially, will you trust God, or will you look elsewhere? And for God's people in Isaiah's day, for us today, what God does, for, for people in that situation of thinking, do we trust God or do we look elsewhere? God gives us a big vision of him. Behold your God, it says in Isaiah 40. God paints a, paints a picture of himself, reveals himself in such a way that we realise he is trustworthy. See, it's not so much about do I believe the promise, Really, it's do I believe the one who's making the promise? That, that's it, really. If I'm not believing any particular promise of God, it's really, do I believe the one who's making the promises? Is God bigger than the circumstances I'm facing? Is God bigger than the thing I'm battling with? Is God bigger than whatever it is that most threatens me or I'm most scared of? And I, when I wake in the night and think about that thing, is God bigger than that thing or, or is that thing going to be determinative and I don't, I don't know what the things are that you wrestle with so let's read Isaiah 46 I mean we could I, I, under, I knew when I got this talk it was going to be from Isaiah 40 to the end somewhere almost you could pick any passage and it would teach you the same lesson but we, we've chosen Isaiah 46 Painting a picture of God in contrast to idols. Here the idols of Babylon, Bel and Nebo, these are these sort of statues that people used to bow down and worship. But just remember, of course, an idol is anything we look to instead of God. Anything we look to for security. Anything we look to for comfort. And so we might, might not bow down to statues, but when we're feeling low and we want encouragement and comfort, there are places we are tempted to turn other than God, aren't there? When we're trying to guarantee our future, there are places we turn to do that, bank balance or whatever it is, other than God. So idols, yeah, then it was statues, but idols still real today. So let me read, yeah, this Bel and Nebo, these are two of Babylon's chief gods. Isaiah 46, hear God's word from Isaiah. Bel bows down, Nebo stoops. Their idols are on beasts and livestock. These things you carry are borne as burdens on weary beasts. They stoop. They bow down together. They cannot save the burden, but themselves go into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been borne by me from before your birth, Carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he, and to grey hairs I will carry you. I have made, I will bear, I will carry, I will save. To whom will you liken me and make me equal, and compare me that we may be alike? Those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh out silver in the scales, hire a goldsmith, he makes it into a god and they fall down and worship 
They lift it to their shoulders. They carry it. They set it in its place. It stands there. It cannot move from its place. If one cries to it, it does not answer or save him from his trouble. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. From ancient times, things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand. I will accomplish all I purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east. The man of my counsel from a far country. This is probably King Cyrus who will be the one who sends the exiles home. So God commanding this king to do his bidding. The man of counsel from my far country. I have spoken, I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn of heart. You who are far from righteousness. I will bring near my righteousness. It is not far off. My salvation will not delay. I will put my salvation in Zion, for Israel my glory. A contrast painted between God and the idols. I'd love you to just spend a few minutes, turn to a neighbour, little groups, twos and threes. How is God portrayed in contrast to idols? There's a, there's a real sort of contrast. So what do we learn about God? What do we learn about the idols? And... Particularly, you might want to look at verses 1 to 4, but if you get time, you can go, you can go further on. But 1 to 4 will, will be a good place to start. Um, just five minutes or so, turn to, turn to a neighbour. Start with verses 1 to 4. How is God different from the idols? And then we'll share some thoughts. Okay, over to you for five or six minutes. <laughs> Okay, I've heard a, a, a lull in conversation, so that, that probably means people have people have got there. Should we just just let's hear a bit of bit of feedback, a few thoughts from from folks. Contrast between God and the idols. Maybe some of that. Any under 18s want to chip in? You probably you probably got the right answers before the adults did. Don't worry if you don't. Any thoughts? Don't worry. Over 18s, under 18s at heart, join in. God carries us, but they have to carry their idols. Yeah, that cat, the ca- words for carry, I, we've got I mean, different translations, but carry, bear, burden, sustain, uphold, those sort of words come so often. Other things people saw? I mean, that's a big thing, isn't it? Yeah. The, um, the idols don't answer, but God is actively speaking in those. Yeah, God is speaking, but the idols don't answer, they don't move. But, yeah. Everything that has to be done for them, God does for his people. So make, carry, speak, etc. Yeah, really, it's not, see, it's not just that God carries, God speaks, God sustains, and they don't. But the idols need to be carried. And so probably, <clears throat> Isaiah has a view, this is probably the, 
apparently the Babylonian New Year procession where these idols were literally just carried about by people and they kind of wore themselves out carrying their idols around. And I think he's, that's just a real visual metaphor. That's what serving an idol is like. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, it's like an x-ray of idolatry, isn't it? And just showing, I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of funny, but in a tragic way, as in it, it's ridiculous, but it's tragic because people wear themselves out. And, and the, yeah, these idols that are made to, that these people are looking to for security to carry them through the tough times, actually they carry them. And lugging those idols around is just a picture of what it is like. You hope this thing will deliver you, but what happens? You end up carrying it. You end up wearing yourselves out for that thing. And it's a, yeah, it's this x-ray of what it is to trust an idol. Anything you look to for security. You maybe think, if I can just get my bank balance sorted, if I can just get enough money, if I can just put down a deposit on a house, that will give me security. And so what do you do? You, you spend all your time and effort on that thing, and you end up serving that goal rather than that serving you. Or if it's the approval of others, you think, if I am well thought of by others, that will, that will be what I need to get me through. Um, but, I mean, maybe you know this for yourself, maybe you know it in others. We, we experience it, don't we? Someone who lives for the approval of others, that is a tragic thing because it is a, it is a bottomless pit of, of trying to win that approval, of just working and working and hoping and, and just curating an, an image and exhausting yourself for something that does not deliver but just takes. Idols take... The Lord gives. Idols ultimately have to be carried. The Lord carries his people. And so just if you're a Christian, just listen to these words. You have been carried, you've been born by me from before your birth. Your Christian life, every moment from birth, in fact we know from before birth, the Lord has known you, has loved you, has been carrying you. A number of folks I see from last year here at the, at, the, um, at the retreat. In the last year, whatever has been happening, some people have had encouraging years, some people discouraging years, some people great joys, some people great trials perhaps. But for all of us, God has been carrying us from the first, <laughs> even to our old age, even to grey hairs, God will carry us. He will carry us and actually the day we close our eyes in death, he will carry us to be with him in glory. Actually, we maybe think back to Isaiah 40, where the Lord says, Behold, the Lord God, God, God comes with might, his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, his recompense is before him. One of these pictures of the might of God. But then listen to how it goes on. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them close to his heart. Gently lead those that have young. The Lord carries his people close to his heart. Maybe just, just take a moment to sort of picture where you live. Picture your location, your house, your church, your community. And the, time, the place you do your ministry. And in one sense, that's where you live. Just think of the streets, think of the shops, think of the chippy, think of... That's where you live, but also where you live is held <coughs> close to the heart of God. That, that's, 
actually more fundamentally where you are, where we all are. Yes, we still experience our circumstances, but we're held, we're carried close to God's heart. That doesn't change no matter where we go, no matter what we do, no matter what life throws at us. And as I've, as I've spent time in Isaiah, I've become more convinced. Isaiah isn't simply saying, trust God, not idols. Trust God, not other things. But I think also, you see it in verse 5, to whom will you liken me, make, make me equal and compare me, says the Lord. Not just trust God, not idols, but don't think God is like those idols. I think for me, my temptation is probably not that I'm going to abandon trust in the living God and just go wholesale for something else, it's only by God's grace. But I, I think that is less likely to be the problem. More likely is I just have a small view of God. I think God is a bit like the idols, a bit like all the other gods out there. My view of God is just a bit small, and therefore I think I need to... You know, he sorts a few things, but there's quite a lot that rests on me, and I will, I will try and sort it out. And I have a, a small view of God. God's saying, no, don't think I'm like these idols. These idols can't move. They can't answer. They can't save. They're small, God, lowercase g. But don't think I'm like that. God is, a, God is a big God. And part of what Isaiah is doing is saying, behold your God. Expand your view of God. See, a God who is needy and small just lays burdens on his people. He, he, he is insufficient, and so we are there as his slaves to, to boost him. That's what idols are like. They are, they are weak, and so they need to be carried. And maybe we think that's what God is like. Maybe we think the cause of the Christian faith is, is, on, is, is in decline in our country. Maybe in your, in your area. And you think, we need to prop God up. We need to carry him. We need to keep the church going. And we wear ourselves out doing that. Rather than thinking, no, God is the one who carries us. God is the one who achieves his purposes. He's not a needy God. He's an all-sufficient God. Have a look at verse 8 and 9 and 10. Remember this. Verse 9, I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. From ancient times, things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand. I will accomplish all my purpose. Or NIV, I will do all that I please. God is a God who makes known the end from the beginning. That is, he doesn't just, doesn't just sort of respond to events he determines where things are going i find it slightly amusing and tragic that one of the reasons people don't think that the book of isaiah is um can really be written by isaiah is because it so accurately predicts the future so they think it well, think, well it can't be true then it must be made up i mean it's just astonishing that that it so accurately predicts what 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 was to come people say well there's a reason not to believe it and you think that's quite that sort of perverse refusal to see. No, God makes known the end from the beginning. And gloriously, he says, my counsel, stand, my counsel shall stand. God will do what he pleases. This is sort of doctrine of God. But notice here, it's not described just in terms of power. God is sovereign, can do everything, but freedom as well. God is free to do 
what he wants. He's free to make plans and no one can stop them being fulfilled. My counsel shall stand. I will accomplish all my purpose. Think of those promises we thought at the beginning. I will never leave you for forsake you. Can anyone prevent God keeping that promise? I will remove your sins as far as east is from the west. Can anyone stop God keeping that promise? I will build my church, says Jesus. Can anyone stop that promise? As I calls us to lift our eyes to a God who is utterly sufficient. Not a small God who needs to be a carrier, but a God who carries his people. And Isaiah says, behold your God, get a big view of God. If we're struggling to trust God, I think we need our eyes open to, to who he is again. It's interesting when you read the New Testament, how many parables of Jesus revolve around someone who has a wrong view of the master figure or the father figure. They think the master or the father is a bit stingy or a bit mean or a bit cruel. And so they act in wrong ways because of it. You get the lost son. Both brothers think the father is stingy. One son runs off and does wild living. But the other son stays at home but just bitterly says, all these years I've slaved for you and you've never given me nothing. Both think the father figure is a bit needy, isn't generous, doesn't do good. Think of the, the man who buries the talents in the ground because he thinks, I know you're a harsh master. Really? Just gave you a bunch of gold last time I checked. <laughs> so often, we take the wrong path. We, we struggle to trust. We, we turn to other things because our view of God is just too small. And if we think he's small, we think maybe he can't be trusted. We know that in human experience, don't we? We were supposed to be helping out at church away day a few years ago. And we said, we'd come, we'd help out, do tea and coffee, various things. We made it, I think, five yards before the exhaust just dropped off the car. And that was that. We couldn't, couldn't go any further, waited for the tow truck to come, and we'd missed the day. We made it five yards because of human weakness, car weakness. Often people fail us because we're not, we're not omnipotent. We're the best one in the world, I can promise, I will be at your wedding. But there might be something that gets in the way, and I am just not powerful enough to keep that promise. God never has that problem. God achieves his purposes, and what are God's purposes? To save. To do good to his people. Let me read a few more promises of God, just as we as we come to a close, as we as, and, and hear these and think of who is the one promising. If we'd read all the way from Isaiah forty, this is the one who stretches out the heavens like a tent. This is the one who weighs the hills in the balance. This is the one who sits enthroned above the heavens, to whom the nations are just a drop in the bucket. Just like dust on the scales. You know, you get the scales out to do your baking and you whoosh, blow the dust off. They don't even, they don't even register. That's, that's the nation. That's, in, compared to God, so powerful. Holds the oceans in the palm of his hand. And this God, with that much power, says this to all of us. And again, you might want to just shut your eyes. Just listen. Hear God's word to you. 
hear God's promises for our good, for our encouragement. Isaiah 43. Now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. Because you, hear these words from the Lord to us, you are precious in my eyes. And honoured. And I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I'll bring your offspring from the east and from the west I'll gather you. I'll say to the north, give up, and from the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created, for my glory, whom I formed and made. These are the words of the creator of all things, the one who names the stars to you. When you're having a hard day in ministry, God says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you've just led a terrible Bible study, or a disastrous one-to-one -one meeting. The Lord says, you are precious in my eyes and honoured and I love you. When someone you're discipling, she falls back into those same habits of destructive behaviour and you think, is there any hope? When the church seems to be shrinking, God says, I will bring people from the east and the west. I'll bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. The Lord will build his church. The Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. Even on days we're doubting and struggling and stumbling, he is still faithful. It doesn't all rest on us. We are not the ones carrying our ministry or our church, much as it feels like that. And I... I wrestle with this, of course. But the Lord is the one who is carrying his people. The Lord is the one who is achieving his purposes. The Lord is the one who is working all history until we gather around the throne of Jesus Christ. No one will be missing. All the church will be there. And yes, we get to play a part in that. We get to excite people about Jesus. But it doesn't rest on us. Because he is faithful and he will 
keep his promises. Let's pray. Father, what promises you've made, and we know they are all yes in Christ Jesus. We know that you are and could not ever be anything other than a promise-keeping God. Lord, would you continue to expand our vision of you when we're feeling weary or burdened? Would you give us a sight of your goodness, your majesty, your faithfulness? That you would encourage our weak hearts and strengthen our weary feet because you are mighty and you are merciful and gracious. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Amen. Amen.